Reg Nolan has the split sermon this afternoon titled Abide With Me. Reg, sir, if you would come. Thank you, Ken. Anyone else get shaken up this morning? Thought about having the, the world's, uh, you know, I feel the earth move under my feet. You know, that's my theme song for that. Or a whole lot of shaking going on, whichever way, how old you are, depends on which one. Never mind. Uh, Anyway, I was putting the last of the finishing touches on my message this morning, and suddenly the earth starts, to, the room starts to shake, the house starts to shake. You know, it only lasted 10 to 15 seconds, but that seemed like an eternity during that very short period of time. Okay? And, and I took it as a warning. You see, I was planning on putting a line in my message that, that said uh, something like, <clears throat> Warning you guys, um, I didn't want you to be as ignorant of history and the meaning of words as some of our politicians. But, you know, since we were, uh, I got the earthquake, I decided to take that out of my message. Okay. All right. So, uh, abide with me. Uh, on last, last Sabbath, the praise and worship team introduced a modern version of the classic hymn, Abide With Me. I think it's like Matt Marr, is that right? Okay, uh, the classic hymn is not as popular as it used to be, largely because the verb to, to abide has lapsed in the disuse as something somewhat archaic. Uh, if I were to use that word in my classroom today, my students would scrunch up their faces, turn their heads and say, what? That sort of thing, that's the reaction I get, because no one uses that word today. And what a shame, too, because the word comes from an Elizabethan Shakespearean English, that's the Tudor period in English history, uh, which is rich with emotional and connotative meaning uh, that far surpasses the denotative meaning, which means to live with or to reside together, to remain or to endure. So today, I want to explore the richness of what it means to abide with someone and the contract that such an arrangement applies. This is a, a bit of a word study, if you will. The word, translated into, Tudor, translated into the Tudor English word abide, occur relatively rarely in Scripture with only 82 occurrences in 77 verses in the King James Version, only 20 occurrences in 16 verses in the modern King James. According to Strong's uh, concordance, those words come from the Hebrew word uh, yashab or the Greek word um, meno. And they both mean approximately the same thing. They mean to stay in a given place or state or relation of, uh, expectation, of expectancy or to reside, continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain, stand, or carry far. Carry for. Uh, essentially, these words all boil down to three basic meanings, three denotative meanings. It means to remain in one's current state or position, to endure or survive or outlast a trial, to reside at a location, usually with someone. Uh, many times the word uh, implies all three meanings. However, the connotative meaning of these words carry uh, with them an emotional baggage that gives the word richness. Okay. The least frequent meaning of the word to abide is to endure, survive, or outlast a trial. While the essential meaning of to, to abide remain, I'm sorry, while the essential meaning of to abide is to remain, in these examples it also takes on the additional connotation of survival or endurance of some trial. Look first at Numbers 31:23. This is the metaphoric use here. Everything that may abide the fire 
or endure the fire, in the sense I'm giving here, ye shall make to go through the fire, and it shall be clean. Nevertheless, it shall be purified with water of separation, and all that abideth not the fire shall be, shall, ye shall make to go through the water. Okay, so the first sense of the word is that it endures. It's put into a trial, put into a fire, put into, under a test, and if it endures, then it has abided, if you will. Second reference. Sometimes the trial is the wrath of God himself. Nahum 1.6. Nahum 1.6. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire. Notice the reference to the previous verse as well. His, his fury is poured out like fire. And the rocks are thrown down by him. I was reminded of that this morning. Okay. Jeremiah 10.10 10 is the next one. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and has an everlasting king. At his wrath, the earth shall tremble. Hmm, uh, how appropriate. I, I didn't realize just how this meshed together. Uh, at his wrath, the earth shall tremble and the nation shall not be able to abide his indignation. All right, Malachi 3, verses 2 to 3. But who may abide the day of his coming and who shall stand when he appeareth? He is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. Um, and he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi, purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Okay, so the first idea is something that endures, something that endures. Sometimes that trial is simply the fire of daily life in the flesh. And what survives that trial is what abides, particularly memories or qualities that contribute to the development of our character, as the preacher uh, Solomon says in Ecclesiastics. Ecclesiastics 8.15. Then I commended mirth. Then I commended mirth, because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be merry. Sounds like a man after your own heart, right? <clears throat> and for that shall abide with him uh, of the labor of his days of his life, which God has given him under the sun. In other words, the things that we want to remember are the things that we do. The, the, to eat, to drink, to be merry, the fun times that we had, the work. You, no one has ever been sad that they worked, spent too much time uh, uh, fun. No one's been Un unhappy that they spent too much time at the office. Oh, is that right? Well, except for me. I'm, I'm, I'm one of these workaholics, you understand, who, who, who were work is fun, and fun is work for me. But that's a whole other story. Um, similarly, Paul indicates in his letter to the Philippians that life in the flesh is a struggle to endure and to survive. Philippians 1.23 For I am in a strait betwixt two, Having a desire to depart. He's ready to die. He's been through all sorts of trials and tribulations. He's ready to leave this life. To, and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He says, effectively, for your sake, I'm going to stick around as long as I can uh, to help you out. And, after, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you for all your 
for uh, all for your furtherance and your joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. So here Paul uses the word abide with two meanings. First, he is able to endure in the flesh. And second, he shall remain with the Philippians instead of surrendering into death, which is after Paul's life of trials would be a welcome rest. Okay. This is the more common use of abide, to remain. To stay or to remain in one's current state or position. But while the word may denotatively mean simply to remain or to stay, connotatively it carries with it a, a sense of responsibility and commitment. For example, when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac according to God's test instruction, he instructed his servants to remain with the animals and supplies, charging them with the responsibility of supervising the belongings and protecting them from malefactors. Genesis 22.5. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. Okay, so there is a responsibility that he imposed upon them to take care of things in his absence. All right. Similarly, when Ruth was about to glean from foreign fields, Boaz instructed her, uh, her with the word abide not to do so. He said, but... They, she should have remained with his maidservants under the protection of his house in the security of his domain so that the word abide carried with it a sense of peace, rest, safety, and security. Okay, this is Ruth verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued... Um, even from morning until now, that she tarried a little in the house. And then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hear um, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maiden. Let thine eyes be on the field they do, that they do reap, and go thou after them. You know, have I not charged thee, young men, that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink that which the young men have. Okay, so he has put his seal of protection over her in this particular case. And the word is abide, which means to stay here or to remain. But it carries much more than that because it's got the idea of protection and nurturing here behind it. In other instances, though, it simply means to stay. As... Um, and the worries expressed by the men of Ashdod over the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. 1 Samuel 5, 7. When the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, mm, The Ark of the God of Israel shall not abide with us, for his, or not stay with us, remain with us. For his hand is sore upon us. If you're not sure, familiar with that story, he afflicted them with all sorts of uh, blights and plagues this way. And upon Dagon, our God. Dagon is the fish god, by the way. You're not familiar with that. Sometimes the word does not simply mean a physical remaining in a position, but is also a re remaining in a certain state of mind or attitude. Proverbs 19:23. The fear of the God, uh, the fear of the Lord, uh, tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Evil. When rebuking some of the Jews that were trying to entangle Jesus in an argument, Jesus said in John 8, 44, 
By the way, John uses abide quite a bit. Uh, you are of the devil as father, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he did not abide in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Here implying that the devil did not remain in the truth that he had once known, but um, willingly abandoned it for a life of deception. Okay, by far, the most common meaning, the most common meaning for the word abide uh, is more, more than merely to stay or to remain, although those meanings are also implied. Rather, abide most commonly uh, carries with it a sentiment of home, of this is my place. Okay, Set, meaning to reside or to dwell at a location or to live with someone in a familial relationship with the safety and the security that the word home implies. However, as we all know, today the word, today the phrase to live with someone has taken on a meaning all its own. That wasn't the intention of abide, not, not approaching this level of abide. It is more likely to, it is more like the use of to abide in reference to the loose woman of Proverbs whose feet do not remain long in her house. Proverbs 7, 10 through 12 says, and behold... There met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. So she's out wandering the neighborhood. Now she is without, now in the street, and lieth in wait at every corner. So this is the sense in which it was, did not abide at the home. The affirmative use of abide... The positive version occurs whenever there is an inference of genuine concern for the other and a true sense of love that extends beyond any physical sexual attraction. It carries a sense of intimacy and implies a contractual relationship much more binding even than a Sheldon, Sheldon Cooper roommate agreement. It applies home. It implies home. And here, the sense of home could refer to a physical dwelling or a sense of homeland. This is my homeland, as it is used in, say, Joshua 18. In Joshua 18, 5, uh, we read, They shall divide it into seven parts, and Judah shall abide on the coast of the south, and the house of Joseph shall abide in the coast of the north. So, there's a sense of a homeland here in which you abide means as well. Okay, now although Solomon may have been the wisest human being in scripture other than Jesus, he let vanity overcome him when he thought that he could actually build a house big enough to house a being as great as God. Who would think of that such a thing? Well, Solomon apparently did. In 1 Kings 8, 12 and 13 we read, And Solomon said, Jehovah said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. So God said he's going to dwell in the darkness, in the night, um, in the, the vastness of space. Uh, but Solomon says, I have surely built a house of loftiness for you, a settled place for you to abide in forever. How vain that Solomon thinks he could build a house that could house God forever, or that God would take. And the temple obviously did not that last that long. Really? So he really thinks he could do? Rather, Solomon should have heeded the wisdom and the heart of his father David, who had a more, much more genuine sense of how great God is. David sings in the Psalms of the peace and security that comes from abiding with God. In Psalms 91.1, we read, 
He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Okay, so there's a sense of security that comes with the sense of abiding. Also in Psalm 61, uh, well, the whole chapter, basically. This is the chief musician upon the instrument, uh, Neganah, Neganah, I don't know what that is. Uh, this is a Psalm of David. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Let Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for I, thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from my enemy. I will abide in the tabernacle forever. I will trust in the, co in the covert of thy wings. Selah. That means think on this. By the way, uh, the fellowship choir used to sing a wonderful song, Lead Me to the Rock, okay, which is this, this was based upon this song. Uh, For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear my name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that, my daily, and that I may daily perform my vows. So here David has a truer heart. He has a truer sense of what God is and the magnitude of God, the eternity of God. And then he just wishes to live with God in God's house effectively for all eternity. We see all three meanings here <clears throat> used in the New Testament metaphorically, particularly by John, the apostle of love. In several passages citing the words of Jesus, he implores us to endure in the truth, to remain faithful, that we may live forever with our Lord. John 15, verses 3 through 10. John 15, verses 3 through 10. Now are you clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you. Unless you abide in me. The sense of, there's a sense of, it's a, again, of endure, of remain, of live with, all wrapped up in one. In many of John's passages. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And, and they gather and cast them into the fire. Where have we seen fire before? In the very first passage where we're enduring the fire, enduring the trials, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done for you, done to you. And this, my Father, is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so that you shall be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So again, there's a contractual sort of relationship that's here. There's a give and take in the process. Like any roommate agreement, this relationship is contractual. And John spells out the details of the contract in John 14, verses 15 and 16. It says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father that he give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. 
even the spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but he know him, for he dwells with you and, and shall be in you. So the idea of dwelling with us, as the Holy Spirit dwells with us. So, it's a very short little word study. What do we derive from our word study? When we ask Jesus a question, abide or implore Jesus, abide with me. We ask him to abide with me. We are entering a contractual agreement with a new roommate, with a friendship writer still in, in full force. We are inviting him into our lives that we may endure to the end, that we may remain faithful in the truth that we have come to know, and that he may live with us and us uh, as we live in him. We are inviting him to become family. We're inviting him to become family. We can be sure that Jesus will not break the agreement and will be supportive of us in any of our honorable endeavors. But, as anyone who has had roommates knows, living with someone requires some compromise. It requires some compromise. We have to change some of our habits so that we do not offend him and to clean up and we have to clean up our act a bit. For we don't want to drive him away, that's for sure. If Jesus becomes our family in this lifetime, then he will invite us to join his family and realize David's dream to bask in his love and to abide in the house of the Lord forever.